getting you ready for West Virginia as the Oklahoma Sooners head to Morgantown for hopefully what's another bounce back game. We're live with you here on Locked On Sooners on the YouTube side of things, so make sure you're tuned in and subscribe to the show. We'll also take some of your feedback, questions, and reactions uh, to Baylor's game, to the recruiting stuff that's happening, to West Virginia. We'll talk about it all on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, a live edition of Locked On Sooners for a Wednesday night. We're going to have a lot of things to talk about on today's episode where we go through some of the recruiting stuff that we're hearing. We're going to get you ready for West Virginia, a tough place to play in Morgantown. We'll talk even maybe some National Signing Day on the the fall sports side of things as well, softball, basketball. I don't know what nuggets Josh might have on any of that, but we can talk a little bit softball as well. But uh, we'll also take some of your reactions, some of your questions as well. But Josh, let's start football. Let's talk about West Virginia a little bit. How confident are you in the Oklahoma Sooners going to Morgantown and picking up a W? I don't think you can be overwhelmingly confident, right? I mean, I think Oklahoma is going to win the game, but I would have told you last week that Oklahoma was winning this game versus Baylor, right? West Virginia has been so wildly, you know, they've been the definition of kind of an average to bad football team, which is schizophrenic in the sense that they're, Really, honestly, John, pretty good at home. And then, you know, you get them on the road out of the uh, friendly confines of Milan Biscara Stadium, and all of a sudden, you know, Neil Brown can't coach, which has been a, a common theme, common thread for West Virginia throughout his tenure. And West Virginia, JT Daniels and company, they can't play very good football. So the fact that, obviously, this is Oklahoma going on the road to Morgantown, I do expect Oklahoma to see the best version that they can see of West Virginia. I don't know that, you know, that version of West Virginia is, you know, hypothetically, if it should be good enough even to beat this Oklahoma team with some of the problems that Oklahoma has defensively, John, I know we'll probably spend another night uh, talking plenty of unrest defensively for the Sooners, but with all of that, I just think Oklahoma offensively, if they can do a better job a much better job, right? I mean, you can't turn it over three, four times and expect to be even bad Big 12 teams, right? This is an improved top-to-bottom Big 12 conference. And if West Virginia or Iowa State, if that's the two bottom feeders, right, even those guys, if you give them three, four takeaways, they can they can rise up. They're good enough to beat you. I mean, shoot, uh, West Virginia beat this Baylor team that you just lost to last week in Morgantown. So I, you know, that's a long way to say that I expect West Virginia to give Oklahoma a serious fight, though. I like Oklahoma able to win a shootout because that's kind of been the uh, history of Oklahoma at West Virginia. And obviously you got Oklahoma team that's come into the game. I think, I hope John, I mean, probably let's start right here. I hope an equally hungry Oklahoma team to the type of hunger that West Virginia would have in trying to fight for its head coach's job. Yeah, Oklahoma needs to come in really with nothing to lose, but they need to come full bore. You know, I hate to use the phrase balls to the wall, but I mean, that's the way they need to come into this game because they have been so up and down this year. I think they still got a lot to prove to themselves. Um, I mean, 
yes, we want to see them do more. They have something to prove to the fan base, but it's not about us. It's about them. And it's about preparing for the end of the season for 2023 and starting to kind of write some of those things that haven't been going well uh, for this team over the course of the 2022 season. I mean, it's all about building toward the future at this point. And, and I get, they don't want to just completely uh, remove all the red shirts off their young guys, but start getting them more snaps. I mean, the guys that have already played their you know, four games, three, four games or more, let them get a, as many snaps as possible in this thing. I know you got guys that you're trying to, you know, you veteran guys that won't be here next year that maybe you want to give them opportunities to improve their film so that they can go to the NFL draft and, and maybe have a better outcome in April. But still give, give your young guys an opportunity. This is the opportunity for them to get some teaching tape. That way they can build in the off season and learn from some of the things that maybe they did well, some of the things they might not have done well. You got to give them these opportunities though to, to succeed and to fail. And, and I don't know if that happens in, in Morgantown. I don't know if it even happens in Bedlam, but like a guy like Robert Spears Jennings, Jaron Canick, those are two guys I want to see play a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball because They've shown flashes. It hasn't been perfect. It hasn't always been great, but they've shown flashes of, of being potential playmakers for this team. Uh, a guy like R. Mason Thomas, you know, maybe, you know, he had the offsides penalty last week. He's still a young guy. He's got a, a little bit of weight he needs to put on him to, to be able to play and uh, some more of the edge and stand up and, um, you know, be able to hold up to an every down role, but get him more work, get him a little bit, for, a few more looks. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's just the way it needs to go. I don't anticipate between now and then, even if things continue to, quote unquote, come apart at the seams, right? Like, let's say the nightmare scenario happens and Oklahoma loses out, right? Let's let's say that that happens and Oklahoma misses a bowl game. And, you know, it's it, it's a nightmare. It's a disaster. I don't think that we see this Oklahoma recruiting class, John, completely come apart at the seams, right? I don't think that the Colton Vosick situation is this indicator that everything's about to unravel in that regard. Though, having said that, your present, I think, at a place like Oklahoma is very much your future. And what I mean by that is Oklahoma can't really, probably to the same degree, maybe for one year, right? Maybe this first year where there is a little bit of that built-in grace period of, hey, it's year one for Brent Venables, year one for this staff where you can you can kind of get away a little bit with not being good. But I don't know if Oklahoma continues to recruit the way that they are right now, John. I don't expect things to, again, fall apart right here, right now. But I do think it's in obviously Oklahoma's best interest to do whatever it is to put its best foot forward to win these final three games, right? So from that standpoint, if if a younger player is even with one of the older experienced guys, okay, hey, cool. I'm all in for throwing the young guy out there because guess what? Again, uh, present is your future and that's all fine, well, and good. But at the end of the day, you know, if you got an opportunity to play a guy that's even, that's going to be sticking around into the future and is going to be building something for your future, then by all means play the younger player. But you know, if the younger players, you know, behind the, the older player right now, John, I don't know that you can afford to lose these games. You, you got to win. Yeah, you just got to win. You can't worry about um, the snap distribution as much. At the same time, I, I, I'm not one that is concerned about what the recruit, what's going to happen with the recruiting class. I think it's still going to be great. I mean, you lose Colton Vasek, you you slide from sixth 
to eighth in the country in the 247 sports team recruiting rankings. So you don't really need to sweat that. But I mean, just for positive momentum's sake, yeah, you're obviously going to try to win as many games as possible. Look, that way you have something positive to end the season on heading into 2023. I think that's kind of the big key there is you just want to have positive momentum. At the same time, I think you can build that by giving some of these younger guys snaps and and allowing them to kind of see what they're made of and be able to learn from and grow from as you head into the season. Now, the bowl game is going to provide a really good opportunity for that, assuming you make a bowl game. I assume that they'll make a bowl game. I assume they'll win at least one of these final three games, if not all of them. I say assume. I believe they'll win all three of them. I assume they'll at least win two of the three. So you'll, you'll have a gr- really good opportunity in the bowl game to play your younger players, get them a lot of reps. So, yeah, I think that just kind of, I don't know. It, it's, it's a hard probably line to manage. Uh, if you're Brent Venables in the coaching staff, it's not such an easy thing to, to try to determine like, hey, we're going to play these guys X number of snaps as, a, you know, we're trying to win the game. Like it's not a preseason game. It's not a, a scrimmage. You're just going out there to try and win the football game. So we'll continue to talk more about this. We'll talk more about uh, West Virginia, some recruiting stuff. Uh, but first, let me talk to you all about Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you want to listen up right now. Locked On Sooners listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. Here's why we love it. Did you know that over the holidays, Property crimes like burglaries and package theft spikes nationally. That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off of their award-winning security system so more families can feel safe and secure around the holidays. If you've never had a package stolen off your front porch, maybe Simply Safe is what you need to look for. You've ever had somebody creeping around your house or you maybe live out in the country and don't feel completely safe, get you a home security system with Simply Safe in an emergency. 24/7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window and door, HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, other threats to your home. With 24-7 professional monitoring service, costs less than $1 per day. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's one thing, John, that everybody loves? A little money back in your pocket, right? Inflation's always got everybody thinking about different ways that you have to cut back, whether that's, hey, I need to drive less. I can't go to that restaurant that I like as much. I got to cut back on that. Uh, I need to buy less in the grocery store, whatever it may be, right? There's nothing fun about having to choose less. And that's why I and many others have started using Upside. Upside, it's an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out with Upside. You don't have to cut back as much, right? Because you get cash back on every single purchase. So that Starbucks item, if you're somebody out there that's rolling through the Starbucks drive-thru, got to get that uh, that Gucci coffee, right? Well, you could still do that, right? Because you've cut back a little bit. Yes, that's John out there for you, ladies and gentlemen. So to get started, download the free Upside app. 
Use my promo code locked and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next claim and offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business pay as usual with the credit or debit card and get paid. Download the free Upside app. Use promo code locked to get $5 or more cash back again on your first purchase of $10 or more. This game, John, you know, I big picture on the thing. To me, it's it's easy to get caught up with, okay, Oklahoma's lost four games, the Big 12 championship hopes. Clearly, I mean, obviously now that's a wash, right? That's by the wayside. It was basically already a wash going into the Baylor game, but now you can officially call that dream dead. So what is the rest of this season about? Well, it's about trying to end it with some momentum. And it's amazing, right? It's amazing the way that that you feel, right? You, the viewer, that I feel, that everybody feels if Oklahoma can just find a way to start playing good football coming down, coming down the home stretch. I know that there's not that probably, right, unless you win these final three games and let's see what the bowl matchup would look like under that scenario, John, but there's not that Alabama carrot dangling out there, right? Like LSU we saw get last week. Okay, that's done. Oklahoma State's season has imploded a little bit in part because of injuries, in part because of their own bad play. So what do you have left? You got a trip to West Virginia this week. You got Oklahoma State and you got a trip to Lubbock where all three of these games again, right? What we've been talking about, they're winnable and it's going to be amazing the way that you, I, everybody feels about Brent Venables, about where this thing is headed if you do one thing win these games now that's a how do you get that accomplished well that's a that's a difficult question john you gotta be better defensively which doesn't seem like this team uh i don't know doesn't, doesn't feel like there's a ton of hope in that regard yeah that's that's a big key is just becoming an average defense not just being bad you gotta be an average defense at least you gotta be able to stop the run a little bit even uh i think I think what's going to happen over the rest of the season is we're going to regain a little bit of confidence in this team, but we're going to really find out like who is going to be a fit on next year's squad. You know, who's going to be replaceable. What are they going to have to do in the transfer portal to solidify this defense a little bit better going into next year? I think we thought that the additions of Jeffrey Johnson, Jonah Lula were going to be enough to make this defense a little bit better against the run, but it really wasn't. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's an interesting place for Oklahoma to be in because they don't really have a, a concrete future ahead of them. Um, so much depends on what they do defensively. Because I think offensively, they're going to be good. I mean, Dylan Gabriel is pretty good. We know that, I mean, they can put up points. Even though they weren't great last year or last week against Baylor, they made some mistakes. They had opportunities to win the game and let them let those things slip through their hands. They were good enough to win if your defense is able to slow them down a little bit and hold them to say 30 points. And so we know the offense is going to be good. What it comes down to is the defense just becoming at least average, not below average, at least, you know, getting to the 25 point per game range as opposed to the 30, 35 point per game range. Cause that's where we're sitting right now. Uh, a few questions I think on this front are, are pretty good. We'll, we'll have to talk about it um where was it it was our guy stubby he says uh or he asked the question where was it do we think that it is a brent venables problem or that we have a talent problem here at oklahoma do you want to handle this one uh i i, I okay i'll i'll jump you can you can just kind of respond to it but i think the scary thing that oklahoma fans don't want to admit to them 
themselves is that it might be a little bit above, right? And I know that, look, it's, it's, I don't know. I guess I should say it's human nature, but for a lot of fans, it's your nature to, and maybe this is even, even split, John, there could be some debate on this, right? You're either the one camp or the other, but I feel like generally speaking, probably more fans, at least right now in the Oklahoma fan base are erring on the side of positivity, right? In optimism, in that things are going to get fixed for Brent Venables and for this staff once they get their own guys in and we're doing this conversation again two years from now, three years from now. And generally speaking, I still agree, right? Because I've seen the track records. I know what they look like for Venables. I know what it looks like for Todd Bates. I like what Jeff Levy historically has done as an offensive coordinator, though I'm not crazy about bits and pieces this season. But, hey, that's offensive coordinating, right? We could do that every single year. We're going to have at least one or two shows where we sit here and we say, I didn't like this play. I didn't like that play. The bottom line, though, is on some level, yes, Brent is a problem. And, yes, the talent clearly is an issue, too. So that's not all Brent's fault. But you know what? The identification out of the transfer portal is a Brent Venables problem, right? That's his staff's problem. They went and got those guys or failed to get other guys out of the transfer portal. And I wrote, when you were talking about the transfer portal, John, I wrote two words down, transfer better, right? Because that's the world that we live in now. We thought Oklahoma had done a pretty solid job in that department. And you know what? They they did a couple of years ago with, with uh, Eric Gray and Key Lawrence, but they didn't do that good of a job this time uh, outside of Dylan Gabriel, right? We thought it was was a bigger hit than it's been. So they got to do better there. So it's, you know, the, the short answer, I guess, is it's both. Yeah, I agree with that. I think talent acquisition is a coaching staff problem. If the players aren't good enough, then it's up to your coaching staff to identify and, and recruit and acquire better players. That's the same way it goes in the NFL. If the talent's not there, it's up to your front office and coaching staff to identify and attract better players. Same, same holds true in college football. But I, th- I think some of it is a talent thing. Some of it is kind of a head thing. I think there are times like, and we see guys like Keegan Renault kind of breaking down the film on Twitter. Um, some of it is just guys knowing where they're supposed to be, you know? And I, I think there was one play in particular down in the red zone where, you know, two guys, you know, flowed into the same gap and left, you know, the, the left a gap, like completely, completely void of a defender. Well, that's to me, that's, that's just not recognizing what your responsibility is in the defense. You know, Stubby, he also, you know, he says like that Brent Venables didn't um, bring, he didn't bring in these players. He didn't bring in the guys that were currently here, but he brought in the transfer guys and very few of those guys have really made a significant impact. I mean, I think Jeffrey Johnson's impact is hard to really gauge because he's a a one-tech defensive tackle. It's not going to put up big stats. But Trey Morrison hadn't really done nothing. C.J. Colton's been up and down. He's got the couple interceptions, but his pass coverage at times has been spotty. Um, We didn't get to see T.D. Roof. Um, Jonah Lula, he flashes sometimes. And then other times, it's like just like the rest of the edge group, he just kind of disappears. who else out of the linebacker group or out of the defense is a transfer from this year that I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like those are the kind of the main defensive guys, but none of them have really made that significant of an impact. You want to talk recruiting. I think there's still a lot of potential in the recruiting class that they, they acquired in the 2022 class, Jaron Cannon, Kobe McKenzie, Kip Lewis, uh, R Mason, Thomas, Kevante Henry, um, Grayson Gentry, Hall. Williams, 
Grace, you know, yeah, Grayson Halton, Robert Spears Jennings, like some of the guys that they might not have started the recruiting on, but they finished it. Like the defensive group, I still think has a, a great opportunity from the 2022 class to be really, really good and build this thing into a much better defense going forward. But it's going to take a little bit of time. Those guys might not be ready to step into full time roles as sophomores or as, you know, redshirt freshmen. So, freshmen, that's good English. So, it, it's going to take a little bit of time. I think Josh, you pointed out really well on last week's show where it took two years at Clemson to build that unit into a really, really strong defense. And, it, and the same may be true here. Brent Venable said it himself over the summer. He said, listen, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It took time. We weren't the best defensive in the country overnight. So are we willing to be patient? It depends on what happens over the next three games in 2023. If they don't show some signs of improvement in 2023, then I think it's going to be open for questioning and critique because we got to see some improvement along the way. We're going to get to a few more of your comments and questions along the way, but first we're going to talk to you about my friends over at Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar yet, make sure you go to Built.com. Use our promo code Locked On. You can get great flavors right now. They got cookie dough, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie zopper, white chocolate peppermint granola. They got everything that you could want over at Built Bar. Some of my personal favorites are the peanut butter brownie. And they're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. Most bars only have 130 calories and only four or five grams of sugar. And they taste great. I've been eating Built Bar now for, for several years, and I, I can't stop. It's just one of my favorite breakfasts to have. It's a great snack to have in the afternoon, too, if I'm starting to feel hungry. And it works great as a pre-workout or post-workout uh, fueling for you. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order right now using promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com betonline.net it's your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and your sports info this season and all year long so go on and check out all of the nfl happenings news and notes college football the game matchups as well that's betonline.net head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts the uh, defensive numbers, by the way, just in case, for whatever reason, this is show number one, which, by the way, happy to have you guys along with us on Locked On Sooners tonight. He is the uh, defensive numbers, 2012 Clemson, and I won't run down all of these. Scoring was 48th, total defense was 60. 2013 Clemson, better, right? Total defense, 25th, scoring 24th. By 2014, guess what? It was the number one total defense in the number three scoring defense. The alarming thing, though, for me, John, is these numbers right now for Oklahoma, man, it's a far cry from 2012 Clemson. We're 57th rushing defense, right? 71st pass, 63rd total, scoring 48th. I mean, Oklahoma's further down that ladder than that. So that's the part to me to where it's like, wait a second, we were talking about coming into this year, was it possible for Oklahoma to get, you know, top 40 total defense. And remember, I said back then, let's let's not everybody freak out and start thinking that you're going to have a top 25 defense overnight. And lo and behold, you know, you're in that bottom third defensively. So that's the part for me where it's like, man, when we start talking about what can get out of the rest of this season, keys to West Virginia this week, keys to just the rest of the year, man, we have got to see this defense 
start to turn any kind of a corner the rest of the way, right? I mean, isn't it as simple as that? Yeah, we got to start seeing improvement. Um, and we might. I mean, some of the matchups are maybe a little bit better for Oklahoma, although West Virginia just ran for over 200 yards against Baylor just a few weeks ago. Uh, but, you know, Texas Tech has been so up and down. Oklahoma State might not have Spencer Sanders by that time. I think we assume he'll be back. Um, but it, it'll be it'll be tough to, to see um, – what this team is able to do. Sorry. I'm, I'm looking at some of the comments as I'm talking and, and somebody said the O-line can't block. I'm like, Stubby, man, I, I'm just going to respond to that real quick. Stubby. This O-line has been one of the bright spots for this team this year. Like Eric Gray's having a great season and he's not having like, he's not having to necessarily get touched behind the line of scrimmage on every single play. Uh, it was Bill Biedenbow that retweeted this and I can't, I'm going to see if I can find it real quick, but Oklahoma's like second or third in yards um, before contact, like yards per rush before contact. And that's all offensive line play. So you're, you're creating enough space for your running back to make plays before he's even getting touched. So I, sorry, I just wanted to disagree with that. Stubby, man, come on. You're killing me. The Texas game. Let's, it's a wash, like throw that completely out the window. They were sitting on wildcat the entire game because we had a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball. Like, of course, they're not going to get as many runs in that game. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. Like, you're just not going to get as many yards because you had no threat vertically that was going to be able to challenge Texas's defense. In the first half, they looked pretty good. They were moving the football until they got into the red zone and got a little too cute on a couple on a couple ones. Um, but I, yeah, I'm I'm of the mind that you just throw the Texas game in the trash and you don't even use yeah. anything that happened in that one except for maybe what happened defensively because. It, it was just a wash. Like it's just not even a good, a good eye test for Oklahoma. Yes. It, I'll grant you TCU. They, they got to Oklahoma a few times on their defense, but I, I think the O-line has been a bright spot for this team. It's going to be interesting to see how many of those guys come back next year. That'll be a big question, but I do think that they've got some talent uh, waiting in the wings. That's for sure. Just to add a little more substance to the O-line o conversation, Football Outsiders is a cool little website that does some, you know, offensive and defensive line grading because, look, we can watch and see Marvin Mims get a 63-yard touchdown reception. Right? It takes uh, it takes a special kind of mind to sit and be able to grade the, the offensive. Like, defensive line, okay, I say this a lot, John. Okay, we see somebody get a TFL. We see somebody get a sack. But offensive line is uh, maybe a little more unseen. Is a little more unseen. The opportunity rate – is uh, 12th for Oklahoma, 53.9% for the offensive line. Basically, runs that should have gone for four yards. So it's been it's been actually a little bit better than uh, than maybe we would have thought. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, like I said, it's been one of the bright spots all year. And it might not have started off great early in the season, but I think it's really like from the Nebraska game on, it's been one of the better units on this team uh, consistently. And and I, again, I think the Texas game. They did some good things in the first half of that game. Uh, but then once they came out at halftime or out of halftime and it was all Wildcat, all Texas had to sit there and do is just sit on Wildcat. And they had their keys right. They had made adjustments. And that was all she wrote for the Oklahoma Sooners. Let's get to a few more questions here. Uh, War Harrow, I don't know if you're still with us or not, but he asked the question earlier. He said, can Edge 2023 Edge Taylor Wayne commit without an official visit? Uh, he got a crystal ball prediction in. Uh, from our guy Brandon Drum over at o OU Insider 24-7 Sports uh, today. 
uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that says you have to have an official visit uh, to commit. I don't think Jaron Kanick had a, had an official visit with Oklahoma before he committed. So I don't think that's a concern there. Uh, Jimmy asks, does Caleb Hicks have cold feet? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I know that he was uh, sort of the first one to kind of, even before Vasek, you know, public with his, uh, you know, commitment to Texas, his flip to Texas, Caleb Hicks was the first one to kind of put the like uh, head down emoji, this and that. So I just think that he was disappointed that uh, Vasek wasn't sticking with Oklahoma, but I don't know that that's any direct uh, correlation to whether or not he, he comes to, uh, to OU. I mean, Look, you still got DeMarco Murray, right, coaching running backs. Vasek, uh, look, it's great to have him if you got him. But uh, Oklahoma's going to get other edge guys. What Oklahoma's missing, man, is the the Hickses of the world. We need a big-time DT. Vasek, look, he's a he might be an NFL guy. He might be a great edge rusher. I'm not saying that he's not. And I said right here on this platform that I think it's a, you know, substantial, significant loss for OU. But – you show me the DT that Oklahoma is getting. Vasek, that's the, you know, I'm not going to say it's the least of my concerns, but it's definitely not the highest of my concerns. Yeah, I think they're going to be able to find edge guys. It looks like they've already got one. Uh, we talked with Ashton Sanders earlier this week. Audio a little bit spotty, but if you hadn't got a chance, go back and listen to that interview. Just, I like this kid. He's only a three-star player on the recruiting you know, websites right now, but I really like what he brings to the table. And I, I think that they're going to end up landing him. Um, we've got some rivals, future casts predicting Oklahoma to land him, not a highly recruited guy, not a highly offered guy, but I think we're going to be one of those three-star specials that really, um, really grows into a defensive tackle role here at Oklahoma. Um, War hero asked, what about Hill Hicks decommitment? Did that open the door? Um, I mean, I think Hicks is back. I think Hicks potentially is always going to be on the table until he signs. I mean, it, it's, it was a 50, 50 thing between Oklahoma and Texas A&M. I don't think that Oklahoma's backed off on at by any stretch of the imagination. They're probably still going strong after him. So until he signs, like that's always a possibility Hill. That's a, that seems a little bit more of a long shot to me, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, Remember last year, Kobe McKenzie decommits from Oklahoma, flips to Texas after Lincoln Riley lives, leaves. And you think it's all she wrote. Brent Venables comes in, recruits him back. So I, I'm, not, I'm never going to count this group out on the recruiting trail. I think they've got just the ability to, um, to perform on that front. The NIL game Stubby mentions, that's definitely that's going to be huge at some point with some recruits, not all the recruits. Yeah, who was Jameis? tweeting about today i had uh, some other work responsibilities so i'll be honest and say that uh i haven't totally dug in and followed up on that i did see chavis's tweet and uh look it's you know sounds like he was pretty excited about something so you know look that's that's kind of the thing with ou here with with vasic and we'll see i mean dt look i've you know been pretty open and transparent about it i'd like to see oklahoma have uh you know a big land inside somewhere right I, I we gotta get a couple of big time four or five star defensive tackles and not the juco type not that a on winfrey can't help you out man but uh, i mean OU needs to 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 sign and grow those guys in house to to really get where they want to go but you know i i do think you know across the board outside of because there's only so many defensive tackles like that john 
Hicks would be huge if they could somehow flip that before it's all said and done. But I just think across the board, probably Oakland fans, when it's all said and done, are going to be this staff showing us, right? If there's one thing this staff has proven, which it's not, you know, 10 and two seasons so far, they did show us last year. They know how to close a recruiting class. So I expect, I suspect that they're going to do that again. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not sure what Chavis was tweeting about. Uh, I kind of asked, you know, my, a couple people that I, that I'm, you know, in contact with and nobody really had like any definitive answer on it. Um, you know, it could be some of the, you know, some of the offers that they're throwing out there could be the, the Wayne uh, crystal ball. Um, so, so that's interesting. It's going to be hard to say like, you know, Taylor Wayne, he got a, an offer from uh, USC, but then also the crystal ball came in for Oklahoma. Um, the Oklahoma Sooners offered David Peavy out of San Diego so, I mean, maybe that's what it was, is that he just put out, you know, they, they just served up a lot of offers today. And so maybe this Miguel Chavis is just enjoying the fact that it's offer season for the 2023 class. And hey, if they're offering these guys this late into the, the cycle, maybe that means that they feel like they've got a really good chance at getting some of these guys uh, into Norman at some point. So, um, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting, man. I, it's it's hard to say where this is going to end up. I, I agree with War Hero. I, I believe that it was going to be hard to keep Colton Vasek in in Norman altogether, just because of his history and where he's where he's from and who his dad is and and his mom being a, a Longhorn too. So that one you, isn't uh, all that surprising. Did you see the quote that uh, I think Hayes Fawcett put out from Vasek that? Uh, and, you know, you always got to be careful. It's like, did I get got with a fake Hayes Fawcett account? But it basically was that Colton Vosick at the OU Texas game was like, why am I here as an OU commit when I love Texas? Like, yeah, that's going to be a tough battle to win. When you got a kid that goes to the Red River game and his dad played at Texas and he's the legacy and he's thinking to himself, what in the heck am I doing as an OU guy here? You're probably not going to win that battle. Yeah, I I read that and I was like, why did you even commit in the first place? Like, right? It's like, and, and then I, I, you know, <laughs> honestly, that's that's a credit to to Chavis in Oklahoma that they were ever able to get that commitment. Yeah, that's exactly what I said on the Locked On Sooners Twitter account um, in response to the Vasic decommit and the flip because the kid he told he said in in Sam Spiegelman's on three uh, story about the flip. Colton Vasquez says, I grew up a Texas fan. Uh, you know, he's from Texas. How many long, how many Texas Longhorns games has the kid been to in his 18 years of life? I mean, I would at least, um, I would at least average like one a year, at least he's been to oh, at least 18 that. and probably it's closer to six games a year that he's been to um, as a Longhorns fan. Like, and so the fact that they were able to convince this kid a Texas fan with a Texas mom and dad to come to Norman to play for the Oklahoma Sooners, even if it was just for a couple months, it's incredible. Like that's miracle workers. Like, so yeah, the, the fact that he didn't feel like he was in the right place, of course he didn't feel like he was in the right place. That had been like Baker Mayfield standing on Texas's sideline, watching that game and be like, yep, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm a Sooners fan, but I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to, to Texas. No, of course not. Like, Anybody who grew up a Sooners fan is not going to be going to Texas. That could be your only offer, and you might walk on somewhere as opposed to go to Texas if you grew up a Sooners fan. 
So it is not surprising to me. All right, y'all, we're going to get out of here here in a second. Um, we thank you so much for being a part of the show. There's a, there's several live shows going on tonight uh, for, for Sooner Nation, so make sure you go check it out. The guy, the OU Insider guys, Brandon Drum, Parker Thune, they got their, their live show going on over on YouTube. And then our friends uh, Travis um, Davidson and JP, they're also doing their live show tonight on YouTube as well. It's going to be like 945, so make sure you go check those out. We're, we're, we're all friends here. We might have different shows, but we're all friends part of the Sooner Nation. We've had each of them on our show. So make sure you go check out that content as well. But thank you so much for being a part of this show and subscribing to the Lockdown Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms. We'll be back with more content this week. And hey, we I've already talked to our guy. Um, oh, I'm blanking. Our, our favorite. Huh? Lockdown Mountaineers. Unfortunately, we don't have a Lockdown Mountaineers. Um, I'm blanking right now and I feel terrible that I'm blanking on the name and I'm going to do it. Oh, duh. I get my, my, I get myself going so, so quickly sometimes, but I've already talked with our friend, Joshua Bates center commit for the 2023 class. He's going to be on the show at some point in the next week. We'll get his takes on, on where things stand, um, just with recruiting. He's in the middle of a playoff run, so we don't want to interrupt that or disrupt that right now, but wish Josh Bates luck as they get ready for some playoff football in Colorado as well. So unbelievable. He won't, he won't, uh, tap out on the playoff game to come on, come on locked on soon. It's ridiculous. What kind of commitment is this? He would have come on this morning between 9.30 and 11.30, but I know somebody that works during that time. So uh, Josh uh, Helmer here would not be available. But no, he was ready to come on this morning. But I said, oh, let's let's work at another time. Um, so anyway, wish Josh Bates luck on his playoff run. And we got several Sooners commits going to the playoffs and going to probably have some deep runs in the playoffs. So again, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Sooners. Make it your first listen every single day. And for your second listen, go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast where you get all the info and the biggest stories from the night before in 20 minutes or less with our guy Peter Pikowski on the Locked On Sports Today podcast available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Again, thanks so much for joining the live show. We'll see you then. Boomer Sooner.